When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the podcast that never apologises. But that's enough monkeying around, let's get on with the show this week. Joining me for our preview of the Friday night game at Hamilton is a debutante, and I'm very excited to have him here. It's Andy McGowan, and don't be worried by the slightly suspicious second name, uh, a more true bear you'll never meet. Andy, thanks for joining us. No problem, David. I'm, I'm glad that the fan letters finally paid off. <laughs> uh, if nothing else, it's a, it's a good chance to vent some steam. We have had a hell of a week, I think it's fair to say. Um, we're going into another one of these Friday games. Now, Andy, you, you're a very you know, regular, hardly miss a game guy. As a, as a kind of loyal away fan, what are, are the. I, I don't always go to away games, so I quite like the Friday away fixture. It's just, you know, it fits in well. But for a, you know, a regular punter, are you a fan of them or is it just a pain in the arse? No, I do like. Um, uh, I think a couple of years ago when we were down the league to play the Airdrie on a Friday night for the first time and it was something new, it was something different. I think it's the start of letting your hair down for the weekend kind of thing. And there is a wee bit of a, a intensified atmosphere, I think, anyway. Uh, so I like them, I do. And if you get a good result, it sets you up for the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, and you don't, it's one less thing to worry about. And uh, I, I do, I like them. Um, it's about the only TV movement that I like as uh, a movement to Friday. Yeah, I'm the same because given our away games are going to be moved regardless, then for me, a Friday night is the best one because the Saturday early kickoff, especially for a long trip, just it puts me off because I like to rely on yep. a Saturday. But uh, and any game on a Sunday is just awful. Just hate it. Always have. We'll never ever get my head around Sunday as a as a football day. So if we can't be, you know, Saturday, then. Uh, or Saturday at three, then absolutely let's let's do it on a on a Friday. I suppose we should or have to start that in the wake of the loss to the the Rabbids last week, we had to uh, read in the papers and and on the Rangers Observer alternative reports of a a meeting. Uh, labelled as a clearly air meeting by the Rangers Observer, labelled as a crisis meeting by the Daily Record, and it depends which one that that you care to believe. According to the Record, the players are in revolt. They don't like Pedro's training. They don't like 
his uh, methods. They, uh, Pedro allegedly uh, accused the Scottish players of not rolling out the welcome mat enough for the, the the foreign players and his coaching side. However, if you then uh, read the Rangers Observer piece, and the Rangers Observer are very close to the club, you are uh, their their view is slightly different. Their view is that the the the, the meeting was a clearly a meeting. It was a success. Pedro spoke about what was needed. He's been given targets, clear targets of what he needs to achieve, and that him and the players are confident of doing it. What's your thoughts on that, Andy? My initial thoughts are that I think there is a, an environment just now where there's a, a real willingness to make a lot out of not much when it comes to Rangers. I think well. No matter what you think of Pedro Cushinia, I think there is a a definite will against him in terms of who's this crazy foreigner. Uh, it doesn't quite say what it means to say in English with no concession for the fact that it's probably his third, fourth language. Mm. And um, I think we need to remember as well that it's a daily record we're talking about. So even if we do give them the benefit of the doubt, um, I don't think there's much to be said about a wee... Uh, tete-a-tete between players and management the day or days after getting beat off Celtic No, I would expect that Yeah, absolutely, I would expect that and at least it's definitely a move in the right direction because the last time we had one of these in similar circumstances it ended with a player being sacked so (laughs) so at least exact progress Um, but my view is to people that have said right, Keith Jackson made the story up no he didn't Right, that's absolutely not true now how he framed it totally different thing but do I believe he has a source yes Um, so you can call that a dressing room leak or whatever but you know it it happens at every club it really does I don't think we can be too precious about it it's happened since time immemorial and beloved Rangers plus Barry Ferguson's a a case in point that have had strong relationships with journalists I I don't think that that's something we can necessarily get on our high horse about no I mean without getting into management uh, kind of jargon communication is good if you're going to be a good manager you need to have good communication two ways I do think that Kishinia who I reckon is a, a good manager in a scientific sense in terms of what he's doing and what he's thinking about I, does, the I theory do think he thinks a lot game. about what he's doing yeah. yes I think he's probably recognised that well seven games into league campaign um, there's diminishing goodwill and patience, although we've not really seen it yet in in, in intangible at the games. But you're probably looking at the next eight games ahead and saying, we need to make the run mark now. And as a manager, you only get so many chances to drop a bomb and have an effect. If you're doing it every week, like Neil Lennon seems to do, then it soon wears off. But if you're saying, right, this is a marker we really need to get ourselves going now, he's done that now. And it's now down to the, the, the players to respond. It's the nuclear um, option, isn't it? It's uh, when you drop it, then you can't really go back and do it again. It'll either exactly. succeed or it won't, yep. because after it, then it's it's kind of scoffed there. Uh, yep. We have been underperforming. I mean, I, I wouldn't want a happy camp, because I think that that was one of the failings of the Warburton era, which was Andy Alley era, among many. But I think that one of the main failings was they were cosseted and there was no price for failure. That underachievement, they, they both seem to be the type manager that, that you know, it became a joke with, with especially Warburton, which was, you know, we'll go again. And, yep. you know, I, I would expect him to be saying we're not where we should be. But 
it's maybe I have seen signs of encouragement, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't feel that this team last season. I thought that the team was bad and wouldn't amount to a lot. I don't really think that with this side. No, I mean it's something that I've been talking a lot to my, my pals, and I, I should really declare. But first of all, I'm probably the most optimistic. I'm probably the most forgiving Rangers fan you'll meet. I, I really do uh, find the best in everything. I'm probably stuck as a ten year old boy. Uh, hero worshipping these guys but it does affect my judgement at times but what I would say is that if you'd said to me after Niedercorn right so Niedercorn is basically unforgivable yes it is uh, if, you'd said to, if you'd said to me after that at seven games in we would have 11 from 21 points I would have probably expected uh, Junior to be under more pressure I don't think I mean from the fans and I mean the fans going to the games I don't think that's transpired yet because I'm speaking purely as myself, and I do go to most games, and uh, you do see with your eyes and your gut that there is an improvement there. I don't think that you can deny that. I think we do a lot of things better than what we were doing, even at the start of the season. And uh, I still think Kashina can do it. Um, it, would, <laughs> it sounds daft, but um, equally, it could fall flat on its face. But there is something happening in the team that you know that you've got a better chance or you're more confident going into games than you were at any point last season under Warburton. Um, just basics, I mean, we're receiving the ball better. There's a better work ethic. There's definitely more physicality in the team. Um, defensively, we are more organised, right? So I know we've lost some silly goals, but defensively, when Alves is in the team, you do see some kind of design at set pieces. You do see some kind of um, uh, previous thought that's been put into things. Last year, I think we forget, we were going to places like Tynecastle, capitulating absolutely, right? Mm. We're losing goals within three minutes from, from basic cross balls, uh, no okay. no fight in the team, no design. There has been an improvement. And uh, I think I think we're really one of the most patience, patient supports you'll find. We've been through a lot, and I think this is now at the point where we're saying, right, we really need to see some results coming from Kishina's team in terms of Consistency winning three, four games in a row. Um, it's just been bitty. It's stop, start, yeah. take one, one step forward, two back. I think that's why the the Partick, the Friday night game, the league, the league game was such a disappointment because it was the opportunity to win, you know, three games on the spin and, and to put ourselves in a good yep. position and to drop those points. Um, and I kind of understand with what Stephen Smith said on the podcast on Monday. And thank you to everyone who listened to that. It was one of our highest rated episodes ever. And uh, yeah, certainly, certainly one you should go back and listen to if you if you haven't. But we, he feels that we're in a slightly false position, and that doesn't mean that you can get away with that forever. It's the old too good to go down argument. Not that I'm saying you will even be near that. I'm just using when teams do that that you can only get away with talking and saying, well, you know, if we won there, and if, if only that, and obviously beating the, the Hibs, etc. We do need to put results together. And and one thing, I mean, I, I tend to think that of the two reports this week, the truth is somewhat in the middle because I think that the record piece was deliberately negative and controversial and I think that the Rangers Observer piece was deliberately upbeat and positive. And I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Like I said, I wouldn't expect a happy camp. Pedro has, I think, it's pretty much, it's pretty much guaranteed has been given a list of targets and uh, milestones. And again, go back to management. He's been given a, a list of milestones that the board expect. 
I do think that we're into either the shitter get off the pot stage, though, Andy. I think that the yeah. next spell is either going to... Definitely. We're not going to be talking like this in two months, basically. Yeah. I think there's players there that he's signed and there's been latitude given to him. So Pena, Herrera, players like that. I, I think if you're being a realistic football fan, you, you know the guys that have played all their life in Mexico, different style of football, are coming over here. It's going to take a wee bit of time for them to, to adjust. It's only natural... I think we're now at the stage that it has to happen. Um, and that may not happen. I mean, uh, Peña uh, reminds me of the early days of Mikhailachenko, a fantastic player, good reputation, comes over here and he just kind of get up to the pace of the game. They've seen that in, against Celtic where he, he was trying to turn and, and move away with the ball and he was just getting caught. That's sometimes uh, something that just can't be, they can't adapt to it. So you're right, mate, you say, David, it's getting to the point now where Results are the be-all and end-all. We've seen improvements, we've seen uh, signs of light, but really those aren't going to compensate for not picking up three points week on week anymore, unfortunately. So starting from Friday, it really needs to be a uh, victories. Now, we went to New Douglas Park last season, just just the ones with Mark Warburton, and we won match 2-0. And it was a fairly decent performance from from Rangers that day. I it's maybe just me and it's no disrespect to Hamilton Ackies, but going back to what you talked about there, I, I have tended, with the exception of a fairly glaringly obvious one, to go into most matches this season very confident, which maybe leads to more disappointment when, if we haven't delivered the, the right result. But I just don't see any reason at all. I think that the whole plastic pitch thing, I, I, I just reject it out of hand for any professional footballer. The pitches are fine, right? They're maybe not as yep. good as grass, but I, I, they're Certainly playable on, and Rangers have such a pitch at Auchinhowie. I, I I don't I don't agree at all that that is a factor that should be considered. No, I agree. I, I think differentiation between pitches isn't that great. So if you're playing in a grass park and it's dry, or if you're playing in a grass park and it's wet, that's two different pitches. Yeah. This is just another type of pitch again. The ball runs a wee bit faster, the bounce might be a wee bit harder, but I don't think it's um, something that. Put it this way, David. If it's affecting you as a professional football player, it's a psychological thing. Absolutely, and I just, I, I, so I just take that off the table right now. But Hamilton are a hard-working team who they've probably been punching above their weight for a wee while now in that division, and you know their strengths and you know their weaknesses. They don't have a lot of special players, but what they they do have is organisation, a, a really good team spirit. And they can cause they can cause teams problems. You know they they aren't a pushover, especially at home. So the idea that we're they, one of the, the things as well about Hamilton that I think is it should be pointed is that they do have a bit of dig and occasionally it can, can translate to a bit of nastiness, which I you know not necessarily against. It's easy for us to say you know clubs with a smaller budget should try and play wonderful football, but you do what you you can. And I think there are dirtier teams in the league than Hamilton. I just think Hamilton come under the banner of a side who are quite hard. Um, mm-hmm. And they are hard working. They are capable, but they don't have any star players. They don't have anyone that you would necessarily look at and say, "Well, that's the danger man. He's the guy you need to to watch for." I think it's it's more a case of Hamilton can't beat Rangers. Only Rangers can do that tomorrow night. No, no, you're dead right. I mean, uh, Canning has uh, been round the block with Hamilton. He's got them as a functioning Premier League team. 
agree with you that I don't think you should be getting into any of these games with any trepidation. I think the team is better now than it was last year where anything could happen. You just didn't know which Rangers would turn up. Uh, but this week, I believe they've got a couple of cent and a half. So um, I think Temple will be injured as well. So really you're left with the, the usual suspects that catch your eye for an opposition team. Doogie Emery mm. uh, is the one that comes to mind. And, and Ali Crawford, who obviously is a good player and, and has shown that over many seasons now. I'm still a wee but bit surprised he's still there. And that's, again, no disrespect to Hamilton. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the, the guy's, you know, a, a fabulous footballer, but... I've always watched him and thought he could play a, a slightly bigger stage. Yeah, he's a cut above his, his, the rest of his team. Most of the time that I watch them. But uh, as you say, it's about ourselves. If we go and we impose ourselves the game, thank God I'm saying like Warburton here, but if we go there <laughs> and, and uh, do what we can do, move the ball, uh, we'll win it. But the thing I would come back to, David, is that we're talking about party at Thistle in the league there. I thought we played really, really well in the first half. We did. And when we came out, we did. I, th- I thought we played great and we really we, we deserved to be up more than just the one goal. But in the second half, what happened, it's not actually something that can be legislated for by the manager. So, just very quickly, the, the first goal they scored was a free kick. And the free kick obviously came from balls up between uh, the two centre-halves, Cardozo and Alves. That should be avoided. Yes. And the second goal... Windass should have pressed, which is one of his faults. He's not good at pressing. He, he doesn't get close enough to his, his man. He pulls two of our players out with him, and then all of a sudden, the three of them out of position, and we're playing them on side. Those are things that, if I was doing that on a Saturday afternoon when I was a youngster, you'd have been scra- uh, shouted at for it. So those are things that are basic, which should never happen. And if we cut that out of the game, then we should be fairly comfortable uh, in our play in most games and the other end of the park it goes the same you go to the League Cup game and Candace has got an empty goal and he puts it in mm. game is over at that point if we score the same goal at that point it's easy street it doesn't and then we're, we're sweating into in extra time these are things that as much as we can point to the manager and say uh, um, he may be at fault or there might be deficiencies there this is down to the players to make sure that they do their job um, and don't sell the manager out if you like for that kind of thing I think uh, if we do what we're doing take our chances which is obvious we'll, we'll, we'll win comfortably on Friday I bang on about this and I'm going to do it again because it doesn't seem to be a lesson that's, that's filtering through a lot of the times for Rangers it's not the first goal that is vital obviously in any game you want to get the first goal I get that but I think that the second goal for us is often huge because teams don't change. Hamilton will not change the way they are set up tomorrow at 1-0 because they'll feel fine. You know, we'll just keep keep it tight, see if we can maybe nick something from a set piece or if we get a period of, uh, in the game or we'll go for it in the last 15. And we don't often enough get that second goal and put the game away. Uh, yeah. You're absolutely correct when you say, I mean, there's, there's a couple of examples. In the first half that we dominated... I mean, after an hour for us to be 2-1 down was ludicrous. It really was. That the, the just yep. shouldn't have happened. And then again, you know, you, you, the inevitability of you don't put the game away and then it's almost like because we've not been in a great run of form, there's that collective feeling among the fans and the players of something bad is going to happen, which of course leads to errors, which leads to something bad happening. But you touched on something that, and I really agree with and I think it's something that should be mentioned, that the difference between this side and the one last season... And the 
they do still make errors. That's why they're not picking up enough points. Absolutely. But every time a cross ball came in last season, I shat myself, and I don't this season. And every time we went forward, yeah. I I thought we struggled because we didn't have anyone I had confidence in to put the ball away. Whereas I yeah. do now. Okay, it's only Morelos so far, but I do think he's capable of putting the ball in the back of the net, and that gives us something that we haven't had. So uh, that is an improvement, but unfortunately. I blasted stats and I've done so you know plenty of times before because you know you can use them for what you want to use them for I get that but the only stat that you can judge a football team on is is the results and until that they start to flow and in a way game at Hamilton with all due respect yet again I, mean, I keep saying that but I don't wish to be patronising but for every every match we play Hamilton academicals we should be winning yeah, yeah. I mean, you touched on something there about the team last year and individual errors. I, I can't remember who it said, so apologies if I'm not giving credit to somebody, but it described it as being systemic issues last year versus individual errors this year. Mm, so last year, you are correct, we had absolutely no defence against cross balls. We were pretty um, impotent going forward. That was a system, and the reason I know it's a system, Dave, is I was lucky enough that Rangers played under-20 games close to my home last year at Stirling, and I, I managed to pick up quite a few games. They played the exact same way that Warburton wanted the first team to play, and the exact same flaws were evident. Mm. They were impotent up front, poor at the back, and I think if you need reminded, you just go and watch Nottingham Forest just yes, now. Yes, absolutely. It's just the same, exact same whereas flaws now, in Nottingham Forest. Whereas now you can see something in a team where if it's known, the defenders will hit it long. Yeah. Uh, they do tend to defend their six-yard box. You don't see Alves getting dragged away out to the left-back, right-back position like Kiernan used to do. They'll leave gaping holes in the middle of the, of the box. So there are basics getting attended to now, whereas last year they just weren't. Um, so, yep, there is an improvement, and you're right in what you say. It's not... It's not um, the fear factor uh, when you go to watch your team now isn't as bad as it was last year. Uh, you, you do expect to win even when we were 2-1 doing at party I thought we've still got time to win this and we are still capable of it and we nearly did it right we, we were uh, bomb- absolutely bombarding them in, in that league game for the for the third goal uh, whereas last year I think a team last year that went down 2-1 gave up yeah the, the, the belief was not there uh, and if it did happen it would probably be fairly fortuitous um, because the, the party games last year I don't know if you went to them but there were two of the most turgid performances they were awful they were absolutely dire and we forget how bad they were I remember turning my pound saying this is absolutely murder but we won them and we won them because we get two bits of magic for Joe Joe Dudu and uh, Dodu (laughs) (laughs) in one game and we had a a last minute winner for Garner for a cross ball in the the second game and all's forgotten so if you compare the performances of those two games last year to the performances not the results but the performances at Fir Hall in the last couple of weeks then I think there's a big bite of difference there. Now, I spoke on Monday about, I thought that the squad had been put together with a 4-2-3-1 in mind, but obviously has been playing this 4-4-2. One of the suggestions I've seen this week um, on, on Mark's website in particular, but a very well and cogently argued point was, we also look to have a good... 11, certainly, uh, with the emergence of young McCrory to go a 3-5-2. And that that would... Because I think it's universally acknowledged that we are weak defensively at the full-back position. So, of course, the idea with a three at the back and the, you know, the five is that we could push Tavernier forward where he looks more comfortable. 
push John forward where again you know certainly it's only uh, the open, the the match against Thistle but he, he looks very capable of getting up and down that wing that kind of offers us a little bit more protection defensively uh, from in these areas it gets another striker on the pitch it probably means the guys you, you would think that that would mean then Herrera and McCrory coming in uh, at the expense of Candias and Windas is yep. that something you think would work, or is it just a nice theory but unlikely to think, translate to the pitch? I think there's a, there's a couple of things there that I'm wary of. And the, the first one is that it's all very well saying theoretically we switch to this and we switch to that. At the start of the season, whatever formula or whatever formation they were playing, it wasn't quite clicking. We've seen that abroad. Mm. We've seen that in Luxembourg. We've seen it at the first game at Lug- uh, versus uh, Niederkorn. The four four two that we're playing just now was more out of luck than design as far as I could see it, it kind of clicked and we stuck with it so changing from a four at the back to a three at the back it takes a lot of practice and if it's not happening on the, in the training park on a regular basis then there is a wee bit of a risk that you go into a game regardless of who you're playing and it doesn't quite work um, it, the other thing is Windass and Candace I'm not a big fan of Windass right I, I really have to declare that when Pedro was talking about his assessment of players last year in the last couple of months of the season I would have put my house on Windass being one of the first names out the door um, he's shown flashes this year but he's not done more than flashes for me I think he does good things gets into good positions but more often than not his final ball isn't good enough no. and it's certainly not good enough for a first team or a first pick winger in a Rangers team that's trying to win things. No, that that's so Josh Windass summed up. The guy, he's an anagram of a good footballer. You know, there's all the constituent parts, but they're never put together in the right order. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a psychological thing, I don't know if it's a desire thing, um, but if we were to lose Windass out of the team, it wouldn't particularly bother me, to be perfectly honest, because I don't think we lose that much. But it depends who you put there. The boy John has looked extremely... Rapid getting forward, yeah. probably more direct than Windass, which is saying something. Uh, but Candias, on the other hand, I think we get a lot from Candias in both in work rate, working back, and uh, he's cross balls without beating a man. So he's, a, he's one of these guys that can actually get in a good ball with his right foot without that actually having to get by the, the full yeah. back. Yep. And, and he has one of the things, even last week against Celtic, was that we they do have a good understanding with Tavernier. The two of them do link up, and I think Tavernier benefits from Candace being in the team. So I think you would lose that a wee bit if you went to 3-5-1 yeah, I mean, or 3-4-2, 3-4-1-1. So you've got to watch that you don't throw the baby out of the bathwater and lose good points to the, the formation as well. Personally speaking, I'd, I wouldn't go to a 3 at the back. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I think sometimes you end up looking at a 5 at the back if the game's not going your way, um, and you end up with three centre-halves. Uh, and personally speaking I like McCrory I'm not going to go overboard on him I watched him in the under 20s I thought he was a standout uh, player he's got the mentality but looks of it he's definitely got the frame and the, the physique will get even better Yeah. but um, I don't think it's a wise time to throw a guy in like that game on game on game on Yeah. I think it's a case of bringing him in playing him when it suits mostly at home uh, when the team's on a run I think the week of summit where the players are kind of being told the, the facts of life is not uh, the time for a guy to come in, a 90-year-old, and uh, 
mature in front of our very eyes, if you like. Yeah, well, it was so, similar to what happened to Bates last season, that he was dropped into chaos, and I think that some fans' uh, opinions of him are lower than they would have been had he been brought through uh, in a better side or at a happier time. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a great fan base, but we're very unforgiving at times. Bates, for me, is a good defender. I think he's been strong, he's, and his positioning's excellent at times. His footwork and his passing the ball it leaves a lot to be desired. But um, I think the guy's got a future in football. I think he'd be a good centre half at a good level. Yeah, so do I. Um, aye, he's got all the basics, and that's probably what's caught David Weir's eye when he was at Wraith Rovers. Um, but a lot of Rangers fans you speak to would say, ah, no use, no use. Why? Because he fell on the ball once or twice. Mm. His defending is good and it's basic, and sometimes that's what you need in a centre half. McCrory. Has everything or looks as if he's got everything you need to mature into a top class centre half. He's got pace. He's he's tall. He's good in the air. He gave Connor Salmon, who's no uh, shine retiring centre forward, a real going over in that last twenty minutes or so in an in in extra time against Partick. So it bodes well for the boy. What I don't want to see is for us to burn our youngsters too early. I, I, I would like to see is bringing them in, phase them in over a period of time. And a team that's confident, not a team that's really got to win results to save the manager's job. That's no my idea of um, forging their experience. No, and I think, you know, you look at Miles Beerman, and I think that after a really promising start in that, and it was a disastrous match, and he had a he wasn't alone, but he had an awful day uh, in the match against Celtic, the, the match that we lost heavily at Ibrox. And it put him back, it's put him back, you know, even when he the, the position he started from, and it's going to take a while to rebuild him. And this was a kid who had been, you know, moving along yeah. quite quite steadily, but then he goes into that into that kind of firestorm, and and he's he's struggled ever since. Now, just before we we wrap up for the day, you touched on this earlier, and I do want to talk about it today. Now, there was you know yet more made of comments by Pedro today, and or this week rather, where he'd said on talk of whether or not there was a leak uh, he'd used the phrase of you know what, he used a version of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and again because you know perhaps idioms are very difficult when they're not in your language Yeah, and uh, more so than just your know, normal conversation, idioms in particular are very difficult and that was pounced on and then he was asked about his future and he said, I could be gone tomorrow, which was the headline. But yep. what he actually said is, I could be gone tomorrow, I could be gone in six months, I could be gone in ten years, yep. which I think is a pretty standard way of saying nobody knows the future. How, how, do you recall any manager's utterances being picked over, not only with a surgical precision, but also with the view to looking at it as a sort of comedic, you know, look at the state of this guy figure, and yep. does it, you know, does it smack a little bit of look at the funny foreigner? Yeah, the, the, the first thing I would say, David, is that if there's any Rangers fans that don't watch the full press conference on YouTube or Rangers TV, I would urge them to do that because if, once you do that on a regular basis, it becomes so blindingly apparent the agenda. Uh, I know it's to make head. I know it's to sell papers, I know it's to get clicks on websites, but the, the difference between what's reported and what's actually said in the, the press conferences in the full context is, is alarming. The, the reason I know this is I speak to my old man, so he's totally technology uh, illiterate, reads uh, the Evening Times, <laughs> uh, and, and that's basically where he gets his information from. 
And he, he'll say to me, what about this kiss? And you're saying that. And I'll say, well, listen, that's not what he said. This is what yeah. he actually said. And and you get the full picture. So what I would say is that Kishinya is an extremely intelligent guy, right? I don't care what anybody says or what anybody thinks about him. This guy is intelligent. And the very fact he's over here and he's willing to embrace culture and he can speak as good English as he does, right? Because you can compare him to Antonio Conte and some other managers down south there. English isn't that hot compared to his. And these... Um, reporters that go to the press conferences I don't know if it's a case I try to catch him out but some of the questions that I ask him are so loaded yeah, they're confrontational. Right, they, should have a, they should have a firearms licence for them, <laughs> they're, they're, they're terrible yeah they're confrontational, uh, I mean that is the tone yeah, and you're right when you say uh, would this would the same scrutiny be given when it, if it was another manager so let's just call him Brendan <laughs> if he said things like that what would they be saying and I think there's a totally different um reverence to other managers compared to what Pedro says because Pedro is respectful of these guys that are sitting in his press conference and he knows they've got a job to do and he knows it's a game of cat and mouse but he is still respectful because he gives them plenty he probably gives them more than he should and these guys throw it back in his face because they then report it in such a skewed way that if it was me I I, I would be turn around and say do you know what I'll not give you anything I'll give you as little as I can because that's what happened with Warburton Warburton was a wee bit thinner skinned than Kishinia, but it got to him in the end, and it got to the point where he was just giving them stock answers. Now, and at that point, you've lost because they'll say what they want. Yeah, because then they'll fill in the blanks and they'll claim that they've won. Now, I mean, I, again, I asked the question because I've had people kind of saying to us on Twitter this week of, you know, has any other manager been treated like this? And although this might not be popular, yes, I in the 90s, I can recall in particular, Venglosh at Celtic got it. Hugely, yep. and it's because that was the, the that that was the kind of at the time they were viewed as the comedy club, you know, catastrophe. Um, and I remember Jock Brown in his book he talked about how at the end of the press conference they would the reporters would get together in a huddle and decide what the line was for the next day. Yep. And he he said he noticed a striking difference between the way that, that somebody like Venglos was treated and the way that someone like uh, Tommy Burns was treated. And, and that yep. was it. But as I say, whether people, you know, will point and say, well, that reporter hated us in the 90s. Absolutely. But yeah, we were seen as the, and reported as the dynamic go ahead, scouting for players, blah, blah. The way that, probably not as arse-lickingly as Celtic are now, but Celtic were in the prism of comedy club lurching from one disaster to another. And that was how it yeah. was reported. And that's kind of what they want to do with us. And that's how they want to report us. So, yes, other managers have had it. It probably is more intense now simply because of the, you know, the 24-hour media, the, you know, we live in a social media world. So it probably is more intense than it was then. But I, I think it's it's quite a Scottish thing to do, and yeah, you know, it's kind of it's insular. It's very, it's very, it's it's very, very parochial. Yeah, and, and I think that um, if you're if you're no part of the gang, then you're never going to be part of the gang. They would never dream of doing that to Walter Smith. You mentioned Tommy Burns, um, other Scottish managers wouldn't they do it to McInnes? I don't think. Mm. Um, so there, there is a culture that if they if they smell blood. And they know they're going to get away with it. They'll do it. Um, but no, I, I'll tell you one thing: the the, the, the treatment I see at Kashinya actually makes me want the guy today even better. 
um, than than normal. Yeah. I, I, I'm more forgiving to him because I know these bastards are, are going to do anything they can to uh, undermine him, to ridicule him, when in fact he's probably uh, somebody that I'm not saying we should be listening to him and, and, and changing Scottish football, but he's got things to say that matter. I mean, the Celtic game, the post-Celtic game, all the talk is about him being con- confronting um, Brown at half-time. So you can argue all day whether he should be doing that or not. I was actually arguing tonight with a couple of folk about it. But the point he was making is that I've come here as an outsider. I can see what's happening at Ibrox in terms of refereeing, and in terms of physicality, in terms of what people get away with. And they don't only get away with it, David. They don't even get spoken to. It doesn't even get highlighted. No. So what he what he's done that for is to say, look, here's something. It's what not, are you going to do about it? Yeah, but it, it, it's not something more upset about him being confrontational than actual elbow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not something that the press are interested in following. And I mean, you, we've said for years that there is a kind of three line lip on on certain players in Scottish football, um, and one of them is absolutely uh, Scott Brown, and he gets away with stuff that the other players wouldn't. And yeah, you're right, Pedro. I I totally agree. I think that there is something about the guy that I just you know there's a and I, I'm maybe being hopelessly naive here, but I just think that there's a palpable soundness about the guy and, yep. you know, a passion and a commitment, and I want him to do well. Now, if we pick up four points out the next nine even, then, you know, that's that's not going to be enough to save him. Yep. But certainly yep. it makes me want to go and to judge him in maybe a, a less harsh light than I would have somebody like Warburton. Yep. He's very rational. I think the, the, the soundbite today, as you say, I could be gone tomorrow, was actually, as you say, it could be gone tomorrow, I could be here for 10 years. But the follow-up link to that was, one thing's for sure, I'll be leaving the place in a better state than it was first given to him. Mm. So it's, it's thought process like that, that it's just washed away in the usual crap of Scottish journalism. Nobody mm-hmm. mentions that. Um, so I'm defending the guy. I know that it could go either way for him. I'm really, really hoping that it goes his way because I don't know where we go next, right? Do you go back to a McInnes? Do you go back to a guy that's going to play four centre-halves at defence, uh, a la Walter Smith? Um, the least you can say about Prez is he's, he's progressive, he's got ideas, he's brave, he's brave in his team selections, he's brave in his substitutes, sometimes too brave. So I really hope the guy gets the breaks that he deserves. But as you say, if you come back to being five, six games time and we're struggling we're still, badly, Fanning about fifth or sixth, fourth, then there will be no defence of the guy, unfortunately. No, I totally agree. So, uh, with that, then, uh, almost time to wrap up. What's your prediction for tomorrow night? It's my prediction, Bill. I think uh, I think we'll win, and uh, I think we'll win by three. I think there's got to be a reaction to not just the game last week, but to also the, the kind of call to arms this week and Rock and Harry. So I think we should win, and we should win pretty handsomely. And say that, <laughs> who knows? Because you never know. Anything can happen. I think that I agree with you. I think we'll win by a couple of goals. Uh, I'm going to say 2 0 because I'm really hopeful for a clean sheet. Uh, I think it would do everybody good to get one of those, but three points is, is an absolute must. And you're right, if the players can't react just out of professionalism, then it probably doesn't matter who the manager is because. Uh, you know, you should be wanting to come out and give the fans a show. Perfect opportunity. It's a team that you should be capable of beating live on TV, Friday night, big audience, you know, passionate fans. It should be, it's the kind of game you would want to play in. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, that was uh, that was a McCrory esque debut, Andy. I was I'm very impressed with that. So, uh, you I'm know, like, I'm not nineteen. <laughs> I, I don't think any of us are these days, buddy. Unfortunately, but uh, as a friend said, as you know, we, a friend said to me the other week, uh, um, Space Girl Gail on Twitter, she said, uh, you know. Uh, I said, well, at least we had all the good times, you know, whereas the young people haven't had as many yet. And she said, yeah, but it's the James line. If I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. So I don't know what's better. <laughs> I genuinely, I'm not sure. We'll try and rationalise it. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think just try and... Uh, like I said on Monday, we just need to get through it because the good times will eventually come back. We just, uh, unfortunately, need patience and to give time time. Okay, folks, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Ibrox Rocks, and that's the place to go to. Or you can go to Facebook. If you just pop onto Facebook and search for Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast, you'll find us there. Uh, my thanks to our executive producers in London, Mr. Uh, Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers, very stand-up gentleman, a good guy to have in your corner, as I found out. And uh, all the thanks in the world to, to new guests, and we'll certainly be getting you back on again after that. Andy McGowan. Thanks, David. Pleasure coming on. Thanks, guys. My name's David Edgar, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Bye. Podcast Network.